Coming up next on the Couch Potato Podcast, Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones star in The Fugitive. All right, listen up. We have The Fugitive that's been on the run for 90 minutes. What I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or dog house in this area. Put that gun down! I didn't kill my wife! Harrison Ford is The Fugitive. Rated PG-13. Opens August 6th. Call 777-FILM for advanced tickets. Okay. Hey, everybody. How's it going? This is Russ, and this is the Couch Rotato Podcast. Uh, with me always is Lucas. Lucas, what's happening, man? Not much. I'm here. I am present, and I'm ready to talk. All right. That's the key components. Like As long as you're here and you speak, I think we're good. I, I will do my best because I've tried the the solo stuff doesn't work for me, man. Like I even put the cardboard Chewbacca up. It <laughs> That's just, amazing. It doesn't did you, work. Did you guys have like a real in depth heart to heart? Well, when I was trying to do that Die Hard episode, like I seriously like fuck, I need to talk to something. So I grabbed a cardboard cutout of Chewbacca that I've got in my garage. Oh and I, man! I sat it in awesome. where I record, and I tried to talk to it, and like it wasn't even saying anything back. I'm like, well, this fucking sucks. Wasn't even speaking Chewbaccan or no. whatever the language is. Chewbacca. I'm sure Mark, yeah, I'm sure Mark Dyer is going to be like, uh, actually, what it is is. Uh. He's going to like write us a nasty review now because you're making fun of him. <laughs> They're our first non-five-star review. Yeah. That Lucas guy is a fucking dick. <laughs> that is correct. It's just That's all it's going to say. <laughs> At the end. Is it safe? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we we did put a poll question up a few weeks ago asking uh, you guys to select this episode, and I was actually surprised by how many votes we got, but we had a tie between the movie we're doing first, The Fugitive, and Bloodsport, which will be coming very, very soon. And uh, Under Siege was like one vote from making this a three-way. Daddy. Yeah, I know how you like your three ways. And <laughs> nobody nobody gave a fuck about the Italian job, so I don't even know if we're going to do that one anytime soon. Fuck that movie, apparently. Yeah, it's like Edward Norton's got a mustache. I don't understand why at least one person didn't vote for it. <laughs> I, w- I almost wanted to, like, I should vote for the Italian job just so it makes it look like I at least know kind of what I'm doing. Well... I don't know. Like I've seen these. I've seen the other movies more than the Italian Job too. So I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just not as good as these other ones, or fun as these other ones will say. Yeah, I think what made me think of that one is uh, I read an article. No, a coworker had a best cart. Like he had a Family Feud movie game that he got for Christmas, and he was reading off. Um, the most epic car chase scenes and like this one, the attack, well, the one for the Italian job was like number five or six on the list, but like the French connection was below it, which blew my mind, but uh, I'll take your word for it. Uh, French connection has an awesome car chase scene and Ronan wasn't even on the list. Mm. Ronan has a car chase scene where De Niro looks like he's going to shit his pants in the car. Like, that's how intense this car chase sequence is. 
maybe he did shit his pants in the car and that made uh, it even more if I was intense. In, if I was in that car, the way that car was like hitting these curves, like I probably would have too. Uh, well, Sometimes you just got to shit your pants driving. Yeah, it's just like it's almost like you fork. Like, all right, I did it once. I just did it. It's done over with. Let's move on. Um, well, uh, I guess we'll get kicked off on our uh, our episode here. Uh, when did you first see The Fugitive? Um, uh, what, year, um, what year did this come out? 1993, which we'll, we'll get to the tail of tape in a minute. So probably 94. I, probably, I think I saw it on HBO for the first time. Mm. I was really young. Um, I forgot I've got a few years on you. Yeah. So I believe I probably saw it in 94. I know uh, around this time frame, it was probably 92 to about 99. Uh, I had a friend named Jeff, and him and I used to go to the movies pretty much every weekend. And then uh, around this time was when we started uh, taking an interest in girls. And really, the the best two places where we lived to meet girls was uh, the movie theater or the mall. So we would typically go the to the movies my buddy was a lot better with the ladies than I was, but uh, I think I seen this like three times in the theaters, and I think the first time was, yeah, he he was kind of trying to get like he's like I got to hook up with somebody, so hey let's uh, let's go check out this movie. I'm a Mac on these hoes. Well, I know when the they showed the trailers, I know I wasn't that like eh, this looks like it might be okay, but I'm not really feeling it, and I think he just went. Just like, you know, see if he could score. So we went and seen The Fugitive, and I was like, fuck this. Like, after it was over, like, fuck, this was awesome. So, one of those, is, is it one of those ones like we had with uh, Battle Los Angeles? Yeah. You, you go into it, you're like, eh, you know, this, this might be bad or it might, you know, be okay. And then you're like, holy fuck, that was the shit. Yeah, it was. Like, uh, like the trailers didn't really, it looked like a, a kind of a very generic paint my numbers action movie. And yeah. I was like, ah, eh, you know, maybe, but you know, I wasn't like amped to go see it with it being a summer movie too. And, uh, I think we went and seen it two more times under the premise, like, oh, well we'll go see the fugitive again. And if, you know, we meet somebody, we meet somebody. Nice. So yeah, we'll, I'll have a ton of stories when we like, usually if we do anything in that time frame, it's usually, I see it first with my friend, Jeff. So I think well, this is around. I mean, go ahead. I was gonna say we all have that friend we all, you know, like go to the movies with. I think at least us uh, movie buffs. Right. Actually, I was just talking to him recently. Like I was uh, while you were out sick, I was making a bunch of references to uh, Nicolas Cage's Eight Millimeter. Mm-hmm. And I think him and I went and seen that, and I think him and I get the same enjoyment out of that. Like that movie is fucking dark. But it's like it's so it's got like some really bad elements to it that are like almost laughable. So I think bring we me do machine. Bring me machine. So I think if we ever do eight millimeter, I'm gonna have him come on here and do that with us. Sounds good. Um, this is a kind of an interesting movie too. Um, Harrison Ford was kind of a you know like for years like Harrison Ford was one of the biggest movie stars in the world. I mean, he was the guy that, like, could open a movie. And I think 
towards uh, this time frame is when uh, he was starting to come down the mountain. Uh, he was still kind of a bankable name, but he wasn't the first choice for a lot of roles. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll get into this a little bit later in the uh, research, but yeah, he wasn't even the first choice to play Richard Kimball. I, I dare say this is probably the last great Harrison Ford movie. I mean, I know he did Air Force One, which is a really entertaining flick, but like, I don't hold that in the same regard as uh, this movie. I mean, what do you what do you think? No, probably not. I mean, it's it's a whole different type of thing. I think Air Force One is meant to be more cheesy, and this movie is meant to be like what what could happen to the common man at any point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trying to take down a big $7 billion corporation. Mm-hmm. Devlin McGregor. Um, yeah, like, uh, after this, he kind of mixed in, like, uh, some real shit. Like, he had Random Hearts, uh, What Lies Beneath, which I actually liked when it came out, but I've seen it again recently and just not a big fan of it. Uh, he had Air Force One, then, like, like many actors do... He kind of has a string of flops, and then eventually he's going to go back to the roles that made him a star, which he eventually reprised Han. And then he, well, actually, he did Indiana Jones 4. Then he right. did Han Solo, so. Which um, he, uh, didn't he, he hates Han Solo, doesn't he? Well, yeah, he wanted to get, uh, kill Han Solo off in Empire Strikes Back, which kind of makes sense if you uh, look at it in the grand scheme of things. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, he really didn't have a lot to do in Return of the Jedi. Um, now as Harrison Ford's career is actually kind of going on a decline, his co-star Tommy Lee Jones actually like this movie kind of makes him an A-list star. Um, he was kind of more of a, like a supporting player in the, in movies. Uh, I know he did like the coal miner's daughter. He was actually right before this, he was the villain in under siege. Hmm. But uh, that, uh, is a movie that will be happening in a future podcast. Yeah, I, I think when we uh we set out our schedule we're gonna we're gonna do almost the, the three movies that got votes back to back to back. Um the director of this actually did under siege, so we're not gonna do that one quite so soon, but Yeah, I mean we it'd be a little weird to start it's it's almost like we're uh jumping on the bandwagon of somebody like that. Yeah, I don't want to make this the Andrew Davis podcast because really like after this under siege, out for justice and chain reaction. There's really not a lot to go on, go off of. That was quite a list. After <laughs> I figured you were going to say like one or two. After this, you, you were you rattled off like five or six. I, I know those four. He was kind of an action director. Um, but yeah, Tommy Lee Jones kind of after he wins the Oscar for this, he goes on a fucking a pretty good role. Uh, he did uh, Batman Forever. He was in Cobb. Uh, he did Men in Black. Uh, Volcano. Uh, I, I know I rattled a few off to you yesterday, but I mean, just Men in Black alone, I guess, kind of puts him as the an A-lister. Oh, he did The Client, too. He did The Client right after this. He was mm. the star in that. And That's one of my favorite movies. That is a good movie. Um, but yeah, like he becomes an A-list star after this, and I he carried that into well into the, the mid-2000s. Now he's kind of reverted back to, oh, you know, we need a a bit player. So let's see if we can get Tommy Lee Jones. But yeah, Tommy Lee was on a hell of a run for a while. I don't, I don't even, I don't, what the hell has he even been in recently? 
Uh, the last thing I can remember him in was the Jason Bourne movie. The mm. the bad the fifth Bourne movie that I really don't find to be very good. Uh, he was I the villain in it. that. Hey, you're not missing much. I mean, the Bourne legacy, the fourth one, is actually, I think, kind of underrated. But it's not on par with the other three. And, yeah, the fifth one's just, okay, Greengrass and Damon needed a check. Well, I mean, you know our history with fifth movies, Rocky Five, um, Die Hard Five, mm-hmm. and then, you know, Jason Bourne Five. Uh, Jason Bourne is not as bad as Rocky Five. I well, still okay. don't well, acknowledge that's, that's its good. existence. That movie fucking sucks. Yeah, that movie doesn't count. That's in some other alternate. I think when Thanos did the snap, like yeah. it wiped Rocky Five from existence, and I just happened to remember it somehow. Well, I would really uh, like it to happen that way, to be honest with you, because that movie's terrible. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, Tommy Lee Jones was a. Uh, he kind of made a name for himself after this. Well deserved. I mean, he's fucking awesome in this movie. Yes, he is. He's really good. He's kind of a. He's kind of like a cocky dick. So it's funny because Tommy Lee Jones doesn't really strike me as as normally a cocky dick, but he really was in this movie. Yeah, when we get into a few of the categories, uh, like best quote, like to me, there's only one. But I think I added a couple nominees just because, like, they're really funny. And every time I see this movie, I still kind of laugh about them. Um, well, uh, this also, when this came out, too, uh, there was kind of a trend uh, in uh, Hollywood where they were taking old television shows and turning them into movies. Uh, they had done the Brady Bunch, which kind of uh, started the whole thing off. And then they made... Uh, Car 54, Where Are You, uh, Mission Impossible, which actually I was shocked that you didn't know was a TV show. Yeah, I had no idea. I was I was shocked when you said that. Yeah, it came. Uh, Mission Impossible is a few years after this. Um, what else did they do? The Honeymooners, they made a, honeymover, a Honeymooners movie. I mean, they did some really bad ones, but they've, they've gotten better. Um, yeah. I don't know how you feel about, like, where would you rank The Fugitive amongst, like, the best uh, TV shows based on, or movies based on TV shows? Well, I mean, it's, it's got to be up there, although I really like the Mission Impossible series, especially 3 on. Mm-hmm. But, and then The Equalizer the, the, with Denzel Washington is awesome. Um, but I guess the fugitive would have to be number one, right? Uh, you know, like I would say the mission impossible, like you said, three, three going forward, but especially four five and six. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the best ones in the series. Um, like we we went and seen what, two of those together in in the movies. mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Like I would say. Mission Impossible would be, like, that series would be one. Two would be The Fugitive. Um, I would put number three. I really like the Jump Street movies. I think... Oh, the, yeah, I didn't even think about those. I think they did, like, probably made those the best they could. They kind of, tongue-in-cheek, just kind of spoofed them a little bit. Um, there was a movie back in 1987, They uh, Dragnet. They did it with Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd. 
Mm-hmm. I fucking love that movie. That's one of those ones that whenever it's on TV, I'll watch it. And then uh, Maverick, the Mel Gibson Western. That was also a TV show. I really like that one, too. I don't know. I've never seen that. Yeah, that's still uh, Mel Gibson when he I, he was doing a really good job of hiding the fact he was a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, it kind of showed off what made Mel Gibson a star. Like, kind of, he's just kind of charming, uh, you know, doesn't take himself too seriously. Charming but intense. Yeah, that's what that's what I think of when I think of Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe just uh, a touch unhinged. Yeah, and also a giant pile of dog shit. Right, he is. Um, well, I guess uh, you ready to kick off these categories? Well, did we do the did we do the tail of the tape? Well, no, I'm getting ready to do that now. That's the first one on my list. First category. Got that's it. that's okay. what we always do is the tail of the tape. I don't know. We've been we've just been talking shit this whole time, so yeah, I like it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like it, but I got a little lost there. I didn't know if I couldn't remember if we did tail of the tape or not. Yeah, we always we always begin with the tail of the tape, and then uh, I don't know. We're still a work in progress with the rest of this stuff, but okay, tail of the tape. Uh, the Fugitive was released on August the sixth, nineteen ninety three. It was directed by Andrew Davis, which we already established. Uh, I think we nixed the fact we're going to do the Andrew Davis podcast because it'd only be five episodes. Yeah. Um, the Fugitive stars Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones, Celia Ward. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this gentleman's name, so I'm just going to read it how it looks. Uh, Jerome Crab. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> he plays Charles Nichols. Oh yeah, he has what? He has some kind of weird accent that he's I didn't Dutch. Recognize. Dutch, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, funny story. Uh, this morning, I found, uh, I looked up on Google how to pronounce his name, and it's Jeroen Krabi. And how did you say it? Jeroen Crab. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> um, I'm going to steal this joke from another podcast I listened to when I was, uh, I listened to one about this movie. Uh, Jerome Crab sounds like he's one of those guys. If you collected basketball cards as a kid in like the mid '90s, and you pulled out a, you bought a pack, and like, oh, I got a Jordan, I got a David Robinson, and then you pull out a Jerome Crab, who's like the backup power forward for like the Seattle SuperSonics. <laughs> Man, that's like that's a fucking throwback, the SuperSonics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really miss that team. Um. We also had uh, Andreas Kasulis and Julianne Moore is in this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's one of the uh, doctors that's in the ER when he goes to uh, Cook County Medical, I think. Yeah, Cook County. Looking for uh, the one arm. It's the one arm man. All right, we'll, we'll just save the save the best quotes because he does mention that at a time or two. Fair enough. Uh, budgeted at $44 million, uh, huge hit, uh, made $368 million worldwide. Damn. That's a lot of, that's a lot of cheddar for back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of 96%. I think that's the highest rated movie we've done so far. Oh, really? Yeah. I think, uh, I think back to the future might be close 
might be in that neighborhood, but yeah, 96% is pretty high. Especially for, I mean, this is more of like a, a drama, I would say, than an action movie, but it's still kind of action movie-ish. Yeah, it's a, an action movie. This is a movie that actually wouldn't get made for a theatrical release anymore. This would be like one of those movies that like gets made into something that would air on Netflix or it would be a TV show again. Yeah. And uh, last but not least, uh, this was nominated for seven Academy Awards, including uh, Best Picture and Best Supporting Actor, which Tommy Lee Jones won, rightfully so. Nice. Yeah. I mean, this this movie did deserve some Oscar love because it's really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. I don't know what was nominated that year. <clears throat> Damn, I'm starting to lose my voice. I don't know what was nominated that year, but, like, I mean, The Fugitive had to have been one of the three or four best movies of that year. And it was 93? Mm-hmm. Uh, was Jurassic Park 93, or was it 94? Uh, Jurassic Park is 93. So I'm wondering if that was maybe. is that Was that up for an Oscar, do you know? No, it was a best picture. Okay. I don't know. Maybe that's just, I just hide, I just hold that movie in high regard, I guess. Oh, it is a great movie, and that's uh, one that's going to happen at some point. Oh, uh, Schindler's List won best picture that year. Oh, well, that's well-deserved also. Depressing as shit, but well-deserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh let me see what it was up against real quick. It was Schindler's List, The Fugitive, In the Name of the Father, The Piano, and Remains of the Day. I've never even heard of like three of those. Yeah, they don't really strike me as Lucas movies. They probably aren't. If people aren't blowing the shit up out of each other or chasing down people that killed their wife, probably not watching it. Yeah. It's like, ah, fuck that stuff. I don't want to watch the remain. Remains of the Day has uh, Anthony Hopkins in it. That was like when he was making all those uh, period movies. Uh, Oh, seriously, dude. It blows my fucking mind how you know all this shit. It really does. (laughs) Well, that's, I used to work at a video store, so that's kind of comes with the territory. I think everybody that works at a video store just kind of has like this bucket of random knowledge. Well, it's, it's impressive and I applaud you. Well, you got to be good at something, right? Oh, well, you're already good at the podcast. What the hell am I good at? I'll stop. Now, we both know that those Viagra emails that we get at the show <laughs> website is addressed to you, so you got to be doing something right. All right. Well, we'll I laughed. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't know if you heard my laugh. Sorry. Okay. I was like, well, I, I thought it was a little humorous, but... <laughs> No, I laughed. Fuck it, I'm just going to tuck that in a corner and maybe redo it at another time. But <laughs> My dog really wants to play with her uh, toy right now, so I'm entertaining the dog and doing a podcast at the same time. I, I think your dog is like a recurring character on the show. I think so. I think she should, uh, she should get her own uh, cast call out. Yeah, this is like, what, the third or fourth episode in a row she's made an appearance on, like, she just uh, she just really loves her dad, and she loves our podcast because she's awesome. Well, tell her to write us a review on Apple. 
As soon as I get her an iPhone, I will. Okay. Well, just do it tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sure there's some kind of deal somewhere. I'm sure. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and head on over to the uh, William Somerset Research Corner, which we established uh, last episode. Uh, is in honor of Morgan Freeman's character in Seven, where he's uh, researching the seven deadly sins in the library. And I that, still like the category name. Yeah, that's that's how Lucas and I researched this movie. Although, before the show, somebody told me they didn't do any research on this. Oh, man, what a piece of shit. What, what a are they bi- doing on a podcast talking about a movie if they didn't do any research? What a butthole. <laughs> Well, I guess Real I'll be old brown eye. <laughs> I guess I'll be uh, Morgan Freeman. You could be Brad Pitt. Oh my God! Let me tell you my research. All right. Uh, first off, uh, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> that Morgan Freeman was bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I tried. <laughs> Well, you know, work on it a little bit. I mean, this is going to be a recurring category, so, you know, you have time to harness it. It's going to stay as bad, I'm sure, but I will give it a shot. All right, well, maybe we'll try it next time. Well, we, uh, I think we're going to test out the uh, the Vincent Hanna how do you rate this movie category, so I guess I'll be trotting out the old Al Pacino here soon. Nice. All right, Research Corner. Uh, Alec Baldwin was apparently cast as Richard Kimball, but eventually dropped out. Um, yeah, I don't. I can't see him as doing this role. Now, uh, some of the other actors considered uh, were Kevin Costner, Mel Gibson, Andy Garcia, Nick Nolte, Richard Gere, Jeff Bridges. <laughs> Nolte. Yeah, Jeff Bridges, Michael Douglas, and Al Pacino were all considered for the role of Richard Kimball. I, I didn't kill my fucking wife. That was really bad. Who was that supposed to be? I don't want to talk about it. Let's just move on. <laughs> okay. Um, I When I was uh, reading about this, uh, Nick Nolte turned it down uh, because he felt he was too old to play Richard Kimball. He's actually only one year older than Harrison Ford. Huh. Can you just imagine him? They're like, I didn't kill my wife. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. Oh, see, that was a good impression. Like, damn, did you just smoke like eight Winstons in two minutes? <laughs> Um, Samuel Gerard was uh, offered to John Voight and Gene Hackman before they hmm. cast Tommy Lee Jones. Now, I can see, like, for the Richard Kimball role, I, I can see Costner playing Kimball, but I can't see any of those other guys. I actually believe if Michael Douglas or Alec Baldwin were cast, like, I would really be suspicious. Like, I would think they actually did kill their wife. Yeah. Even if, even with all the scenes showing you that he didn't, yeah, it's like Michael like, Douglas yeah, has I don't something believe this to do. Shit. Like I don't know, like she set him off one day, and then you know he he got the one armed man to do like do his bidding for him, and like maybe he'll learn next time, like hey, maybe I should get a guy with two arms. <laughs> and yep. then a uh, uh, Gene Hackman, I could see him as Gerard, but like he's a little older than Tommy Lee Jones, but like there's no way I'd see John Voight doing that. John Voight would bore me to death. I don't know what it is about that guy. He just bores the shit out of me. Well, you know, when like I've like looked at other movies for us to do, especially in this era, 
like John Voight's name pops up in just about everything. Like, like uh, he was an enemy of the state. He's in this. Like, he's in Heat. Like, he's just in a bunch of stuff, and he's also like just considered to be in just about anything. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm sure he's. I'm, I'm losing my words here. He's a good actor, but he just like every time he's in a movie, it seems like he's acting the same exact thing. To me. So even as Bud Kilmer and Varsity Blues, he's just a he's a racist fucking prick in every movie he's in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, Charles Nichols was actually uh, Richard Jordan, who uh, I'm trying to think of something you may have seen him in. Have you ever seen The Hunt for Red October? Yeah. <clears throat> He's in that. Um, he was cast as Charles Nichols, but he had to drop out. He uh, was diagnosed with cancer, so he was oh, replaced. Yeah, he was replaced by uh, Supersonics forward Jerome Crab. <laughs> then um, the uh, the the low car. That yeah, nobody he, fucking wants. Yeah, he's a uh, debt left shrimp's backup. <laughs> um, I guess uh, Harrison Ford had like already cut his beard off. So they had to, when they brought in uh, Mr. Crab, Crabby, Cribby, like I'm starting to sound like uh, Chris Farley and Black Sheep. But when they, uh, when they brought <laughs> in Rowids, Ruids, Rowids, they had to, uh, Harrison Ford had to grow his beard back and it's different than it was earlier in the movie. Huh. And then um, I guess Richard Jordan died three months after this movie came out. Oh, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it does. But anyways, um, (laughs) (laughs) this shit got grim. Yeah. Like I was really hoping like in my notes, I would have wrote down something like some, something funny, like, Oh yeah. The guys in the St. Patrick's day parade didn't know it was Harrison Ford, (laughs) which was true for a few minutes, but we'll get to that in a minute. Really? Uh, well, I guess we'll just go. We've already gotten into it. Might as well do it now. Yeah, the the St. Patrick's Day parade. Yeah. Um, they Andrew Davis like sent Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford just out into that parade, and uh, he filmed them with a handy cam. So, uh, like when, uh, like Harrison Ford has his head down. Yeah, like I guess apparently like people didn't recognize him for like a good fifteen minutes during that. That's interesting. Yeah, and I guess he was it, just able to like walk out of the scene with nobody really hounding him. Well, eventually they did, but like it, I guess it kind of works because there's a couple people that kind of spot him for a second, and it almost like, oh, I bet that's Richard Kimball. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. I that guess really uh, cool. Andrew Davis actually is a, a Chicago native, and he actually yeah. wanted to film the that St. Patrick's Day parade in the movie. So that's why they incorporated that into it. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, it was, it's, it's a really pivotal scene and it's kind of cool how they filmed it during that. Mm-hmm. Actually, it kind of reminds me of, uh, this documentary I just watched. Um, you know, that guy that was convicted of killing somebody and then, uh, his lawyer found him at a Dodger game, like found footage of him. Um, they no. were filming. Oh, you didn't hear about that? No. Yeah. 
this guy was at a Dodger game and he got accused of uh, murdering somebody that testified against his brother. And uh, just like curb your enthusiasm for HBO. Mm-hmm. Just happened to be filming there and it was on TV. And um, what, is it Larry David? Is that the name of the yeah. The, just happened to walk past him, so they caught like they actually caught it on film that he was at the baseball game. Wow, saved his life. Damn, I sent Larry a, David a fruit basket. Penalty. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah, he got the death penalty, so he was on death row when he got you know when they found the footage and he got out. At the very least, I'd send Larry David an edible arrangement for that. It's like, hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having to get up and go to the bathroom. Yeah, like one of the twenty or thirty dollar ones. You know, he ain't getting the fifty dollars. No, no. If I, I'm sitting, if it's either that or death row, like I'm buying him the most expensive one I can. That's fair. That's fair. It's like, okay, uh, the light bill's not getting paid this month, but Larry David saved my life. <laughs> That's gonna be his claim to fame for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know that during the uh, the epic car or the train wreck sequence um mm-hmm. harrison ford harrison ford injured his leg and he tore ligaments in his leg so he held off getting it operated on until after the movie was over because he wanted richard kimball to have a limp now i didn't know that until you told me earlier when we were at work but that is still really cool and actually it kind of makes me wonder like does he like to do his own stunts or something? Cause... Oh, yeah. Harrison Ford's notorious for doing his own stunts. Okay. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But that's that's actually really cool. I respect actors that do that stuff. Oh, yeah. Really like cool. Tom Cruise, like, like, I don't give a fuck how crazy he is. The fact that that guy will jump off of buildings and break his ankle. Like, okay, you're good in my book. Or you cl- climbs the, what's that, the, that building in the, the... The Burj Khalifa. Yeah. He just yeah, used some. The yeah, he did that on his, building. Yeah, he just did that on his own. Yeah, you're it's okay, my cra- boy. Yeah, he. I mean, he is fucking crazy though. I just wonder though, like how powerful the the marijuana that Harrison Ford smokes is, because like he's wrecked a plane twice. He hurt his leg on the set of The Fugitive, and he shattered his ankle, I think, on the set of uh, The Force Awakens. It still keeps going. Oh, shit. Yeah. He, he just. Uh, well, he's like Willie Nelson. He's going to live forever. I, I hope so, because that would be a very sad day if something were to happen to him. Yes, either one of them. Right. Um, did you know that Tommy Lee Jones uh, ad-libbed a lot of his dialogue in this movie? Like some of the like the real funny one-liners he throws out, those are all off the top of his head. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. But I guess you know that's part of what makes him a great actor. Um, this one I found to be a little weird that they thought about doing this. Uh, Julianne Moore and Jane Lynch, she's in this, which I completely forgot about until I watched it last night. Yeah, uh, I was surprised when I saw her on there. They were both uh, considered to be romantic interests for Richard Kimball, but I guess like a lot of us, it didn't make a lot of sense since he was on a quest to find out who murdered his wife. Right, yeah. <clears throat> So, yeah, it didn't make not a lot of... Go ahead. I was going to say, not everybody has to have a side bitch. Yeah, I mean, Richard Kimball seems to be a stand-up gent. 
Damn, I don't know why I'm losing my voice. I feel like I'm going through puberty here. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, I will eventually grow up to be a man. About damn time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife's thinking the same thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, this one I thought was like actually really, really cool. Um, this movie started filming in February of 93 and lasted for 73 days. So they got this movie filmed. They went and did reshoots and got it edited in time to get it out on August the 6th of the same year. Wow. That's, a, that's impressive. I guess uh, Warner Brothers had six editors on the, working on this film to get it done in time. Huh. And I wonder why it was so delayed. Well, this movie was in developmental hell for years. Like uh, I know like at one point Alec Baldwin was supposed to be the star, and uh, Walter Hill, he's the director of The Warriors and 48 Hours. He was supposed to direct this. Yeah, and then uh, Nick Nolte was attached to it at one point. Yeah, it has just been sitting around for years trying to get developed, and then they finally got it off the ground once they had a director. Then they got Harrison Ford attached to it, and then. <clears throat> but I guess they wanted to move it up, and uh, Warner needed a summer movie, like a late summer movie, so that's why they got it done so fast. Well. It's still impressive, you, you know, no matter how many people they had on it. That's still really impressive. Um, actually, uh, all six of the editors for this uh, got Oscar nominations for this. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is really uh, a really odd occurrence because usually an editor, when uh, a movie gets nominated for editing, it's usually one or two people, but six got nominated for this. They didn't win, but still kind of a cool little tidbit. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to nominate all six of them and tell them to go fuck themselves because they ain't winning. You know what, though? Honestly, though, you get a free trip to Hollywood. You probably get a really good meal. Like I wouldn't be too upset if I lost. Well, plus, you know, from that point on, you're a big deal because you were attached to a movie that was um, nominated for an Oscar. And you got an Oscar nomination for that. Yeah, so like you can always put that on a resume. True. You know, it's like those guys might be applying for a job in an IT department and they have, like, the accomplishments. Like, I was a nominated editor on The Fugitive. How does that qualify you, sir? You know what? I don't give a fuck what he's doing. If I, seen, if I was hiring somebody and I seen it, like, oh, hey, guess what? I did the makeup on Maleficent and I got nominated for an Academy Award. I'm going to fucking hire that person. <laughs> yeah, because you never know. They might take you right to the top. Yeah. Or if not, no like what you're doing. If anything, it's like uh, you know, you come home for dinner, like, hey, honey, how was your day? Like, ah, oh, it wasn't too bad. I hired the makeup uh, artist for uh, Maleficent to fill that uh, that IT spot. You know, when Bob left, <laughs> yeah, I hired the the dude that did the makeup on Maleficent to do it. He's never touched a computer in his life, but shit, he's gonna be good. And he did the makeup in Maleficent. I don't know why I'm so <laughs> obsessed with that movie on this, but. I I don't know. Yeah, you just kept going with it. And I was just gonna let you keep going. Well, I think when I was uh, going through my uh, my digital movie collection earlier, uh, I had to stop and I left it on that. And like when I come back to it, it was that picture of uh, Angelina Jolie with the uh, the horns and shit. Mm. I mean, it was pretty good makeup. Um, have you ever seen the show Scrubs? Yeah. Uh, you know the janitor. Mm-hmm. Who's like. 
I'd say outside of uh, I don't. I'm really a fan of uh, Bob Kelso, the the old like uh, administrator, and then Doctor Cox. Probably my favorite character on that show. Um, he's in this, isn't he? Yeah, he's the transit cop that uh, when uh, Sykes and Kimball, like when Kimball gets spotted on the uh, the subway. Yeah, he's the cop. That's right. Yeah. And a funny thing, uh, there's an episode of Scrubs where JD, who's played by Zach Braff, is watching The Fugitive, and he sees Neil Flynn. That's the actor's name in the movie. Uh-huh. And like they do this whole bit where Neil Flynn, the janitor, was a former actor, and he was like he. The janitor played the cop in The Fugitive. <laughs> so he he was the character of a character of a character. Yeah, it went it went meta as fucking that. Breaking down the fourth wall, shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of a cool little tidbit to end this category on. Russ, you did an outstanding job on the research. Thank you. If I had uh, loaded it into my uh, equipment, I would have given myself a round of applause. But well, since we'll I pretend didn't, that we can all hear it. I just hear it in my head. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> um, the next category is the, uh, whoa, wait a minute, I got to stop and watch this, the best scene of the movie. Uh, this is the scene where if you're in the middle of something, you're having to flip it on TV, it doesn't matter where you have to be, you're going to stop and watch this scene. Um, I have a, my nominees feel free to throw yours in Lucas. Uh, I'm well, sure we I, go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say, I could think of two, um, where you see them and it's, it's instantly like watch this. Yeah. Um, I put the train wreck. Yep. That's one of them. Um, I have uh, Samuel Gerard's first appearance in the movie. Um, the, uh, where Kimball jumps off the dam. Yep, that was going to be my other one. Um, I put uh, the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Yep. And I put when uh, Richard <clears throat> Richard Kimball calls uh, Gerard from Sykes' apartment. Oh, yeah, that's... Man, that's so well acted, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I... For me, I'm going to go with the train wreck sequence. That's just like whatever you think of this movie, that's usually the first thing that comes to mind. Yep. That, I I mean, I can't even argue with that. That's because every time you've seen any kind of uh, advertisement for it, when it plays on uh, network TV or cable TV, whatever, mm-hmm. that they always show that without fail. Yeah, um, actually, there's a, this is kind of going back into the... Uh, William Somerset Research Corner. Um, this actually was filmed on a green screen, like Harrison Ford jumping off of this, mm-hmm. off the train. But actually, the train wreck was a real, a real deal. It cost uh, like a million dollars. Oh wow! And uh, did you know that this is a tourist attraction in uh, Billsboro, North Carolina? No, I did not. Like, wait, what is the train wreck? Yep. Yeah, huh. the train wreck is still there, and uh, that's a tourist attraction now. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever in the North Carolina area. Well, I'm going to have to be now because I want to go see it. Yeah. So, I mean, is that the one that you you think, too, is the train wreck sequence? 
Yeah, I think that's the most iconic of it, of the scenes. Yeah, although the, like the where he jumps off the dam is pretty fucking cool though. Yeah, you know, um, just to nerd out a little bit, he would have fucking died in that, no matter what. Oh yeah, he's not surviving that. He would either broken all his bones or he would have gotten drowned by the dam. Oh, I was listening to uh, that fugitive podcast I was listening to, and they brought up the fact that. Uh, they somebody made six dummies to stand in for Harrison Ford in that train sequence, mm-hmm. and they lost all six of them. And they only did that sequence once. <laughs> so I'd like to know where those other five Harrison Ford dummies are at. Yeah, I don't know. Because truth be told, I, I would buy one. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you can't do the episode, I can sit it right here next to me, and I can talk to... Richard Kimball, like a, a dummy Richard Kimball. Well, I can interview I him. Know. Like, how did you feel when uh, those cops were like, you're breaking down in that interrogation room and like they were just harassing you with questions? Now, are you going to also answer as him? Well, yeah, why wouldn't I? <laughs> I don't know. It's getting a little weird, though. Well, you know what? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Shit's going to get weird. You know what? That is a fair point. Can't argue that. Okay. Um, now, uh, our favorite line of the movie. I don't think... Do we have a name for this yet? Like this category? I don't think so. I know I tossed around the uh, the John McClane quote of the movie, but like I don't know. Like I, I don't like that now. Mm, we'll have to... We'll have to come up with something, or maybe somebody can email us, or you know, send us a suggestion on our socials. Yeah, I was gonna say if someone emails us, it's simply gonna be like, "This is gonna be the Viagra quote of the movie," because that's all I fucking get in that email account. <laughs> it's fucking Viagra ads. Stop it. Are they trying to tell you something? I don't know what they're trying to tell me, but I know I don't have erectile dysfunction. <laughs> maybe you will. Maybe that, maybe they're just yeah, like maybe trying to load you up. Maybe they're planning ahead. Pills. Maybe they're planning right. ahead. You know, like, hey, you know, he's going to need this down the road. <laughs> I mean, he does a podcast for crying out loud. He can't be that great. <laughs> All right. Well, the best quote of the movie. Uh, I have some uh, nominees here. I'll see if uh, what you think. Um, this one is going to be the first one. <clears throat> All right, listen up, ladies and gentlemen. Our fugitive has been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injuries, is four miles per hour. That gives us a radius of six miles. What I want from each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, and doghouse in that area. Checkpoints go up at 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. Damn, you made me want to watch you in this movie. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, before the pandemic, I did a little Tommy Lee Jones uh, one-man show at the local uh, community rec center. I'm learning some new shit tonight. On Thursday nights, I would act out Tommy Lee Jones scenes at a rec center. <laughs> you should have seen me like right before this stuff started. I did uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Natural Born Killers. The six people that were there just fucking loved it. Whole six? 
Yeah, I got six people there. I think it was Damn. because it was uh, they were giving out free uh, free pizza. Mm, that's fair. I mean, you know, can't turn that shit down. Right. Um, I also nominated uh, I Didn't Kill My Wife from Richard Kimball with the I Don't Care from uh, Samuel Gerard. Yep. <clears throat> um, I would say, like, when I said earlier, like, the best quote, like, there's really only two, but I, I threw a couple in here just for shits and giggles because I like them. Okay. Um, hey, Newman, what are you doing? Newman says, I'm thinking. Well, why don't you think me up a cup of coffee and a chocolate donut with the little sprinkles on top while you're thinking? <laughs> that actually sounds really good right now. It's that 1030 does. at night. That's a terrible idea, mm. but it sounds really good. Yeah, it does. Um, Marshall Biggs, when they're at the, uh, they're going into the courthouse, he says, uh, if they can dye the river green today, why can't they dye it blue the other 364 days? Tommy Lee Jones character. Well, he doesn't say that. it's the, the Marshall with the mustache. No, I know he, he, uh, Tommy Lee Jones goes, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, my, the last one is uh, when they go into uh, to catch Copeland, and uh, Copeland has uh, Newman by the throat, and he's going to shoot him. And then Tommy Lee Jones like comes around the side, hit, shoots him in the head. Mm-hmm. Copeland's girlfriend's just screaming her fucking head off, and he just looks at her and goes, "Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Like every time I I see that, I just like I fucking love it. I, I cracked I cracked up when I watched that. That was pretty funny. Um, I I think for me it's the, uh, the your fugitive name is Doctor Richard Kimball. Like that's another iconic line. Like whenever you think of this movie, I think that one actually is more iconic than the train wreck sequence. Mm. Well, I don't know because uh, you know I'm sure people have seen a preview of the train wreck sequence, but wouldn't know. His name is Dr. Richard Kimball. You know? Well, in the trailer, they always played that line. Uh, Every trailer they had, they always played that line in it. Um, I was going to say the uh, I didn't kill my wife, I don't care mm-hmm. line. Yeah, that's a good Would one, you- too. Because, I mean, like, realistically, like, Tommy Lee Jones' character, like, wouldn't care, like, if he killed his wife or not. He's just there to bring him in. Right. Oh, another one. It, this isn't my my winner is going to be the my name is Richard Kimball or the fugitive's name is Richard Kimball. But I also like when Tommy Lee Jones says he did a Peter Pan off this. <laughs> so much good stuff. Um, the, the last category is uh, who owns this movie? Uh, this is the category that uh, you can re- take anybody out of this movie except for this one person. Like they're to me, like they're the biggest reason why this movie works. Um, I for me, that's it's only one person. Like I, it has to be Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, although, and who do you, who do you, uh, who do you get to play Kimball? And well, I mean, you can honestly You're saying like you would keep Tommy Lee Jones, right? Yeah, I mean, like, basically, like, Tommy Lee Jones is the reason why this movie is as good as it is. Because, I mean, if you really stop and think about it, like, Tommy Lee Jones 
does most of the heavy lifting acting wise. Like he's the one with the most dialogue between right. the two leads. Like Harrison Ford's doing a lot of like facial acting and like the stunt work, but like Tommy Lee Jones is carrying the, the dialogue portion of this. And like, can you think of like a scene in this movie where Tommy Lee Jones is bad? Nope. And I mean, to me, like it seems like, like as much as I like this movie, there's parts of this movie that drag. I think it's especially like when he's doing the investigative stuff, like when he is doing like he's printing off the list of names and he's like when he becomes like the janitor at the hospital and the investigative stuff is like it's okay, but not compared to what we had seen before, like leading up to that. But I mean, I just I think Tommy Lee Jones, this movie is nowhere nearly as good as it is without him in it. Like, I think you could cast someone else as Richard Kimball, and I think it still kind of works. But no Tommy Lee Jones, this movie doesn't work. Well, you have convinced me now. All right. If I had a gavel, I'd slam it down. I mean, you don't know. Uh... I, can't, I can't think of anybody else that you, like, Tommy, Tommy, you're right. Tommy Lee Jones really drives this movie. He drives, like, the, the funny lines and the mm-hmm. yeah he the believe he makes you believe that he's actually you know chasing down Richard Kimball right and I mean like uh, he like some of the stuff that he says like he kind of takes like when it starts getting a little heavy like he kind of is able to lighten the mood up a little bit at least I think so yeah. I, I think he's fucking hysterical in this I do too um but yeah like that's that's who wins it for me like I really. I, I love Harrison Ford. He's probably in my, if I had a, an acting rush, Mount Rushmore, like the, the guys that I absolutely love and will watch just about anything. Harrison Ford is on that Mount Rushmore, but like, no, this is Tommy Lee Jones's movie. Yeah. I mean, he even got a sequel out of it with his character, which I'm not going to get into U S Marshals. Oh, that's the sequel to this. Yeah. He plays uh Sam Gerard. They bring back uh Joe Pantoliano. They bring back Newman, Biggs, and I can't think of the woman's name, but she's in this too. And uh, it has Robert Downey Jr., who seems to be more preoccupied with getting like fucked up than he is the uh, the performance in the movie. And Wesley mm-hmm. Snipes is the fugitive. Huh. Now, I will say that I don't think U.S. Marshals works because it goes from being a doctor – on the run trying to figure out who killed his wife. Wesley Snipes plays a, a Navy SEAL. So already it's like, okay, you already know, like, the, the U.S. Marshals are at a disadvantage now. Right. Oh. All right, well, before we wrap this up, Lucas, do you have anything you want to add? Uh, no. I mean, um, this movie is definitely probably, I would say probably in my top 20 at least. Yeah, All this time. this movie's really good. Like um I know this movie is good because my mom has a collection of go-to movies. Um maybe 6 or 7, like it, these are the only movies she watches. And it's uh Home Alone. I think I went over this in a previous episode, I'm not sure. But uh Home Alone, um the 50 Shades of Grey movies, but The Fugitive is also in this this list and like if it's on my mom watches it no matter what point of the movie it's it's at and my mom doesn't watch a lot of movies like i said she watches the same six or seven 
but she's not like, oh, hey, you know what sounds good? I'm going to watch the Shawshank Redemption. She's never even seen that movie. But The Fugitive, <laughs> fuck yes. Considering you're like the human IMDb, it's really surprising your mom's on it more in the movies. Nope. Like, my mom watches six or seven of them, and that's it. She, it's, Yeah, it's, it's really it's that odd mix. It's The Fugitive, the Fifty Shades of Grey movies, Home Alone, uh, Batman, but it's only the Batman movies with the Joker in it. It's the 89 Batman and the Dark Knight. She has nothing to do with any other Batman movie. Huh. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, I think Kindergarten Cop was on that list, too. And Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, I mean, at least she's got a pretty good list. Yeah, like my mom will uh, die on a hill for Mrs. Doubtfire fucking loves that movie good movie it is Robin Williams at his best I think yeah I mean like I I could if I stopped and think about thought about it I could probably think of something that I, I would like him better in but like I can't argue with it yeah maybe Goodwill Hunting that is a great movie he won an Oscar for that too I I guess that puts you in a little bit of a upper echelon over right. Mrs. Doubtfire. Just a bit. Yeah. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up The Fugitive. Uh, did we decide uh, what we're doing next, or do you want to save that for uh, later? Well, this isn't going to come out for like another week yet, but uh, have we decided what we're going to do next? Um, yes, actually, we have. Do you want to fill everybody in? We are going to do Twister. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. Looking forward to that one. I haven't sat and watched Twister in a long time, and I, I fucking love that movie. I haven't either, but every time I think of that movie now, I think of uh, Helen Hunt, the puppet from Team America. <laughs> well, we'll save the Helen Hunt puppet impression for that episode, all right? All right. Sounds good. Okay, well, if you uh, guys like what you uh, you heard, uh, please uh, give us a follow on uh, our social media pages, uh, the Couch Potato Podcast uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, where <clears throat> wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, yeah, give us a review uh, if you like what you hear. Um, but until next time, uh, we will see you guys later. Bye, everybody.